United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. The dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Ross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects I gotta be honest with you, Noel. I don't know if I enjoyed listening to the sounds you were making in your kitchen while trying to clear your nasal cavity. <laughs> I, I was heard in my, everything. I was in my bathroom. Okay, well that's even more disturbing because that was clear as mud. Really? I wonder yeah. if you're just hearing uh, Cora. No, I think I was, I don't know if you did the neti pot or not, but I, I went did. Yeah, I was, I, yep, that was the sounds of a neti pot. <laughs> every day. That's incredible. I just sat here um, <laughs> sipping wine before I felt like I needed to wash my hands. <laughs> yeah, man, I had to. Uh, I had to get it out. Um, yeah, you might have COVID by eating COVID soup. Yeah. So, hey, what's up? My name is Noel, and um, as luck would have it, almost God, I forget what the math was now. Six hundred and. 50 days or whatever since COVID became a thing it may have finally gotten me and in the fashion of typhoid mary as in my friend made soup from scratch and she a thousand percent hella hardcore had covid (laughs) i just ate it up i ate it up the the thing with typhoid mary though is there was a nefarious and sinister secrecy to it you watched our friend sneeze like 12 times (laughs) while making this soup and also got a text to group chat of their posited covid test Mm -hmm. And you were like, I'm cool with it. Going to eat the soup. Well, no, Um, I didn't know about the positive COVID test until after the soup had been (laughs) fully digested. I had fully digested the soup. I had seen her sneeze 12 times in a row, though. And I thought to myself personally, that's kind of a lot. (laughs) Maybe it's allergies. The lies we tell ourselves. I know. And then she was talking about how like her PMS is so bad that it's making her lower back hurt, which is a reasonable thing. She's like, my uh, PMS is really causing a cough and sinus congestion (laughs) (laughs) and a fever lately. And you're like, yeah, they do that sometimes. I'm like, damn, being a woman, am I right? Yeah. And then, uh, Literally, and and this is how, you know, I'm not Typhoid Mary in this scenario where t- Typhoid Taylor over there making <laughs> <laughs> contaminated soup. And she, she puts it all in a to-go box and is like, go give that to Ty. And I'm like, okay. And so I've ingested the Typhoid soup and she's sent a picture to the group chat of her positive test. I'm like 30 minutes out. And then I just turn around from his house, open the soup container up, and just dump it into the garbage. Just dump it into the garbage can because I'm like, no one is going to eat the COVID soup. The thing I'll, I'll take the bullet. I'm I'm the full body shield. <laughs> not not to misalign typhoid Taylor at all, but the <laughs> kindness that she she was like, come over to my house. I want you, Noel, to do laundry at my house. I want yeah. you to use my sewing machine. And while you're here, I'm gonna one up you. I'm gonna make you soup from scratch. True. And she feels sick. She feels horrible. <laughs> and now she's done fucking typhoid Taylor for the good thing she it's attempted true. to do when she felt sick as fuck. Typhoid Taylor was being just the ultimate 
Southern sweetheart when she gave me the typhoid soup. <laughs> you eat it and you fucking like it. I you know, know it, man. And, I, and I, I told this to Chelsea on a part of the episode that died. Yeah. Um, if this is how I get COVID, man, that soup was delicious as fuck. So really I'll sure take full. it. I am fully vaxxed and boosted, yep. so, you know, it's just going to be a bit of a cold for me, which it feels like it is now. Um, don't worry, I've been isolating. I'm not a fucking asshole. Um, and, yeah, I'm just like, you know, sucks that it, it finally got me, but, yeah. man, to be taken down in such a delicious way. It's, um, you'll die how you lived. Yeah, man. The kindness of friends keeping your belly full. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, so this is actually our second run through of the episode. Our file got converted right in the middle of recording. But you know, I think the I think this new version did well. Um we're trimming the fat, so to speak. Now we can just jump right into it. It's true. Oh, also, so, who are you? Chelsea. Uh haven't had COVID yet, but have been taken out by the bird flu. So um, we're both a little under the weather today, mm-hmm. but so happy to be here for 2022. Happy with an asterisk and the asterisk sub sub notes is miserable. So it's true. I'm going to let you start this because I've got a big cough. I'm going to do on mute. You're going to mute. All right. So in West Virginia, nearly a decade before the infamous Mothman and injured cold sightings, a bright object lit up the sky of a small town called Flatwoods on September 12th, 1952. And what this light kicked off was a legacy that encompassed the small Braxton County town to modern day. While naysayers dismissed what happened and concluded that what plagued these people was nothing more than a mixture of meteorite paranoia and a very curious barn owl, I would like to argue otherwise, and I'm sure Noel will as well. So let's just kind of Real quick, describe Flatwoods. Flatwoods is your typical small town. And it's not the type of small town where, like, I would say I grew up in a small town and the population is, like, 20,000 people. Annoying. Flatwoods, Virginia, is a small town. Their last census count had them at 277 people. That is less than my graduating class in a also small town. So, (laughs) and I wanted to point out here um, that Flatwoods is deep in the hills of the Appalachia. Is that how you say it? Is it Appalachia? Appalachia? I say Appalachia because I'm a northerner, but I think the locals say Appalachia. Appalachia? I thought it was Appalachia too, like Appalachia. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't, you know what? When you win, yeah, when you win the Civil War, you can pronounce it however you want. But fucking Appalachia. Appalachia, Appalachia. Um, oh man, they both sound well, it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, <laughs> that that name, however it's pronounced, should ring a bell since the Appalachian Mountains uh, are just riddled with myths and conspiracy. It just goes hand in hand. There is literally a section of cryptozoology that is just creatures of the Appalachia, like Mothman. Sheep Squatch, check him out. We'll have to do an episode on him. Um, The Gafton Monster and what we are talking about today. I feel like every single time we've talked about a Northern American cryptid, it has come from Virginia, West Virginia area. 
Um, well, the the Appalachia spread across like a fuck ton yeah. of states, um, and also like I don't know if anyone remembers. Aren't the blue people from the Appalachia? Yeah, yeah. They, they it's are. just um, and the barking family. The, I think yep. we talked about them once. I'm not sure if we've talked about the barking family on podcast, but in life in general, you yeah. know when when uh. When fun and professionalism overtwine, yeah. it's it's uh. But they're a family who is so, peace and love, so inbred that they have, they literally can only bark like they just, mm-hmm. they don't have the capabilities or abilities I to think talk. Only one or two have the ability to speak, and they're they're like lesser in the, um, incestuous yeah. pool. They're like but, the older sisters, I think. Yeah. Um, but when it came to the brothers, they straight up just <laughs> bark. Yeah. They, yeah. They sound like the little chihuahuas yeah. they have. And there's a clip because an interview was conducted with that family. And um, the interviewer tries to talk to some of the women who can still commute, who still can communicate. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so, you know, rumor has it that, and he tries to address the incest you know, problem. And they keep, they deny, they deny, they deny. And then um, the main, one of the main like barking men, he's like such a sweet guy, super charismatic. You can tell that like the lights on man, but the door is locked. That's it. Exactly. And you can just tell that all he wants to do is spill the fucking tea, man. Like, he um, pulls the reporter over to like where his brother is buried. Yeah, their brother. Reporter. They buried their brother in the lawn slash driveway. Yep. Just you know Appalachia things. Yeah. Um, and in it's just like so crazy because the interviewer is like, "Do you miss your brother?" And he brings him over to the gravesite to be, and because he's barking, he's trying yeah. to tell him like, "Yeah, I miss my fucking homie." And then when the it, the reporter tries to interview the two women about like the incest, and they pretend like. It's not a thing. And they're like, so, and then he's like, so then what caused this, you know? And yeah. they're like, oh, we don't know, you know, whatever. And then the 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 barking man, like, brings the interviewer over. And you could just tell he's, like, he's doing finger points and with yeah. his barks. And you fucking know he wants to spill it, baby. You can see it. It's like, you can see it written all over his face where he's like, yeah. and their house, everything about it is just. Yeah, it's, it's the thing that's also sad about it is they're so heavily protected by the locals, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But when you're so heavily protected by like these small town ideologies, you're also protecting the abuse that goes on behind exactly. closed doors. And yeah. there's no reason all these adults should be living in squalor where yeah. they're burying family members in the yard. I actually, you know, I don't really care so much about the family member thing. Just make sure that people are clean and happy. Yeah, clean, uh, happy, um, fed, you know, given, yeah. given proper living conditions. Um, no, I agree. But I'm not meaning to misalign the people of the Appalachia, but it's a secluded, isolated, very tight-knit community. And if there's anything we've learned from any cult movie in the history of humanity, is that that leads to some, you know, right. situations. I- I remember in some of my anthropology classes talking about like secluded cultures and we were thinking like those islands that have never had technology there or like the shaman cultures in South America. But my professor said that like there are some places in like the Appalachian Mountains where you just don't fucking go 
Because if you go there and you don't really come out, there's not really an investigation. And it's just like, it doesn't necessarily mean anything nefarious happened, but it's like, we done told you to stay out and we're not going to waste resources on you because frankly, once you get there, it's like not even the United States anymore. It's like such old country and old beliefs. And it makes sense why they're like the pinnacle of cryptids in North America. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause Um, I'm even trying to think the cryptids in like West coast. We have a little bit of Sam squatch. Yeah. But nothing really like, Cool. Yeah. I mean, the missing four one one, but even that is also on East Coast, mm-hmm. so it's yeah, yeah. Also, I want to hear how it sounds. Hold on, are you gonna play it? Appalachia. Oh. I'm right. Oh my god. Wait, that was the YouTube. Appalachia. I just said how to pronounce uh, Appala- Appalachia. I couldn't hear it. I heard you say it, but I thought it was Appalachia. The a YouTube recording saying it. Appalachia. Oh, God, I'm so good. <clears throat> so, anyway, I think it's important to have that lens as we yeah. go through. There, Yeah, and especially just know, like, the culture here. And um, I'm also going to say that it's old enough in there to, like, this area, there's so much saturation of, like, strange things happening. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I always come at it with fucking truth on everything real. But... Um, I think that the stuff that happens here is incredibly viable because there, whether smoke, there's fire and this place mm-hmm. has been lit up from the dawn of man. Yeah. So the history of this town is as small as its population. The most notable history that it has outside of its cryptid sightings is that it was built near a railroad. In near. The <laughs> um and also this town appeared in a Fallout 76 game. And I swear to God, that drove me so nuts because I don't play Fallout. Um, so when I was researching this, mm-hmm. I kept like accidentally stumbling across like fanfic shit for the Fallout game. They're like, God damn it, what is this? And then I Yeah, because was- I'm pretty sure like the Flatwoods monster pops up in the Fallout game as well. Yeah. And I've heard it's also in like, I don't want to say Zelda, but it's like in other games too. And I I had no fucking idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I commissioned a bunch of friends to get those little cryptids made for Christmas. And the friend that I gave the Flatwoods monster to was like, I've never heard of this in my life. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, like, I don't want to spoil him, but he's kind of a slept on alien. I agree. And also like the most fashionable one. True. So let's talk about Flatwoods and go back in time to September 12th, 1952. So three boys were playing just before dusk when they saw a bright and pulsating red light streak across the sky and crash land onto a nearby farm belonging to a man named G. Bailey Fisher. And these boys, two of them are brothers. Their names were Ed and Freddie May, ages 13 and 12, and their friend Tommy Heyer, age 10, were immediately intrigued because who wouldn't be? Mm -hmm. They first ran home to get their mom. Uh, same energy, honestly, (laughs) I would get my mom for fucking everything, any inconvenience ever. And they encouraged her to come with them to go investigate. And then they kind of built up a a small posse of boys to come with them and see what crash landed on this farm. As anyone would, you know, running back to the neighborhood to be like, holy fucking shit. I mean, 
it's it's uh stand by me you know like i, yeah. I found a dead body y'all want to see and then all the neighborhood boys come and have an adventure i distinctly remember holding hockey sticks like they were rifles and going to hunt aliens at night when I was a kid with like neighborhood children. Incredible. Um, the cosplay on top of like the legitimate fear buried nicely. Reality. Yeah. But their political climate was way different at this point. Um, so just keep in mind that the Red Scare was 100% ramping up in 1952 because not only were, were people super scared of communism in Russia, but it was also a presidential election year. So you know that that propaganda machine was just going, 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 uh, yeah. going, and being 100% hammered into, especially like young boys at the time. Yeah. Some would say that it was being hammered and sickled in. Oh. <laughs> I need to, oh, I wish we had timestamps on recording, so I'd be like, ha, 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 like some sort of like communist bell. I don't know if there is a communist <laughs> I, I, bell. There's, I need like the, um, the Soviet anthem. Yeah, or maybe just right like here. a sad war widow crying. Um, no way. You play that comrade music, baby. <laughs> I'll try to find it if I remember. I'll give it the old college try of clicking through the recording and seeing if I can find this specific spot to play the music over. Perfect. Um, and this timeline was also only a few years after the Soviet Union had tested the atom bomb, which caused the U.S. Air Force to like scan for bombers over U.S. soil all the time. I have like distinct memories of my parents and grandparents talking about like the atom bomb tests that they used to do, which are similar, if not the same to earthquake tests that I did when I was younger, which was to just get under a desk mm-hmm. and hide. Yeah. Isn't that so funny? They also did like a, a, a similar thing to like tornadoes. They would just be like, go in the hallway and get real tight and just uh, cover your neck like with your hands, you know, and then yeah. tuck your head in and you're like, hey, baby. I hate to be this guy, but if a tornado comes ripping through here, your crisscross applesauce ain't going to save your fucking I life. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm still so surprised because that was the same. We used to have lightning kind of, they weren't like lightning drills, but they were kind of lightning drills. Mm-hmm. I'm still so gooped that you didn't know you were more susceptible to a lightning strike by hund- hiding under a fucking tree. Because growing up, I was taught that if you're caught in a lightning storm, you put your hands on the back of your neck and lean over and you try to get your butt up because it's the best place to get struck. First of all, I never lived in a reality in which we had lightning drills. We had earthquake drills um, where you hid under the desk. And then uh, I, you know, got to experience a few shooter drills. Um, Never got a shooter drill. Really? Yeah, too old. Really? You were in school when Columbine happened. Yeah, I didn't get a shooter drill. We had drills that would be like, I don't know, even know if they were like shooter or drills. It would we be drills like where strange pedophile on campus. Yeah, I guess we had pedophile like on campus. Drills. Yeah, pedophile on campus drill. Where it would be like, I, but I barely remember it. It would be like the office would call and they're like, hi, do you have applesauce in the classroom? And the teacher would get up and lock the door. And then that was it. We would stay in our desks. Oh, we had like full pedophile on campus drills because our campus was op- like every school I went to elementary, middle and high school was all outdoors. We didn't mm-hmm. have buildings. So we always mm-hmm. did yeah. pedophile on campus drills and it would be lock the door, block the door and then lights are off and then everyone hides. Man, I went to like a teeny tiny little elementary school. I am the biggest threat was the time that I got a concussion at school and they just left my like little unconscious <laughs> body on the playground for like an hour. 
that was like the real danger was they just didn't count students when they came in from recess (laughs) that is a true danger a pedophile's dream honestly i know i just like i was just out knocked out had no i was blind for a while no recollection wow yeah this is why your brain is soft i do think that is why because I didn't get immediate medical attention. <laughs> yeah. um, they just, I can't believe they just left me out there. And they let you take a nap. So one of the best yeah. things to do after a concussion. No, and then when I broke sleep. my face on a field trip, my teacher <laughs> yeah. left me in a library. She was like, I can't deal with this right now. My face was literally broken. They put me in a library and called the principal to come pick me up. So I just Incredible. laid there. <laughs> Incredible yeah. stuff. You know, to her defense, they don't pay teachers enough now. No. They definitely were not paying them enough then. You sure absolutely don't. deserve to get your ass yeah. left in the fucking library. How right. dare you break your face on a field trip? I know. It was Cade. I'm not going to blow up his last name, but you should. Cade stepped on my shoelaces from behind while I was running. And I went, Burp. but he also had like my hand. We were, we were roughhousing. So he had my hands behind my back. And so yeah, when I went bro, down, he fucking Guantanamo bait your ass. Yeah, I dog. did. He <laughs> broke my fucking my eyebrow was like touching my cheek. It like felt yeah. awesome. anyway, holding your hands behind your back and then tripping you with both your shoelaces. Uh-huh. He he straight up police brutality to you. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because he is a cop now. Oh, I could have told you that. I could have. I wish him the best. Let's report him. (laughs) No, I wish him. It was like one of those things where like, I I think the school is trying to blame him. Well, I think they were trying to get the blame off of them fucking leaving me at a public library for also an hour. Library is not the worst part of the story. The worst part of the story is when you got police brutality by a child. (laughs) It was minor scuffling, man. Minor, yeah. no minor ill will towards Cade to this. Minor day. scuffling doesn't put your eyebrow in your fucking True. cheek. I'll beat um, the shit out of him now. Give me his badge number, someone. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think he works in Ogden. It's um, time for the reckoning, baby. <laughs> no, I wish him the best. It was I know. He called me like when I like once I like was conscious again, and he called me and apologized, and he said yeah, his mom I- spanked him. Not Over hard it. enough, I'll tell you what, because he still I became a cop. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why he became a cop. Honestly. Um, he had to he get was like, I, w- I actually loved that. I would actually like to do yeah. it legally. <laughs> um, but, you know, so those were the types of drills I did. Funny enough, they never do drills for the teachers if the child that you are watching sustains a, a great brain injury. <laughs> Um, but when we had that earthquake, I knew what to do and you didn't, you stayed in bed ready to die. And I went and stood in the doorway. That's because I have a wish for death. (laughs) Um, I was reminded of that grandpa Simpsons clip on the, when he's like, it's an earthquake. And he goes and stands in the door. Cause that's yeah. like literally exactly what I did. Like a true. I thing. laid in bed, like the couple in the Titanic and just waited for death. to I, I did the wrong thing where I went looking for my dog first. And then I went to safety, but I'd like to say that you responded like a Slytherin. And I responded like a Gryffindor. Nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that. They're not wrong ways. No. Um, so uh, we digress. Anyway, <laughs> this, is a, this is a weird time in America. Um, so I, this was like the, I feel like this was like a fun and scary time to be a youth in America because like also this time, like UFO sightings were going up, mm-hmm. you were playing spies. There was like espionage going on. So you just know that this small posse of boys, once their mom signed on to come with them, were like, like 
bit bopping around in the fields going to like find Marvin the Martian. You know what I, I mean? I would be terrified to live during the 50s. Well, not just because I have a fucking pussy and so my life was in danger by existing, but also because like it, it was the Cold War, the Red Scare. You could just go to your local precinct and be like, you know. I think it's I more scary. Any, I don't want to cause any problem, but I, I almost think feel like it's scarier to be alive now. Like, I mean, yeah, in a lot of ways, I, but like, I you guess, could literally just say, like, I think my fucking neighbor is a spy because yeah. she's hot and sassy, and that's it. Yeah. But also, like, you think you're going to go find an alien, and then, like, patriotism at this time was something that, like, you could take real pride in. It hadn't been, like, you know, it was like we we're coming you off are of like once again looking at patriotism through the rose-colored lenses of a Caucasian. I yeah, you're right. Because we well, we had just come off of like World War II. Like we had kind of a win with like eradicating, uh not eradicating, but like freeing the Jews from the Holocaust and like that industrial but it was all the shit we talked about on Patreon where it's yeah, like they but want also, us to be proud of it. I know that but the Holocaust a- ending the Holocaust and ending the Nazi reign is big, but we also dropped two atom bombs yeah, i'm Japan. just saying to be a white little boy at this time that's true to be a white would be fucking Christian fun. boy yeah in america at this time yeah I, that's all i'm right. saying you are right about that i don't uh, there's a reason why there's like not really any girls in the story and there's a reason why their mom was home and their yeah. dad was at work yeah. um yeah so anyway. I'm sure that they would have been ridiculed mercilessly had she a job of her own. <laughs> uh, oh. oh my god! Leading this troop of like the posse wasn't the mom, um, but it was actually a 17-year-old National Guard member named Gene Lemon and his dog Richie. It wasn't his dog. I fixed your notes. The family dog. The family dog. It was his dog. Bitch. It was not. Whenever people say the family dog isn't like so-and-so's dog, I'm like, who's the dog with all the time? Because even though like we've had family dogs, that's my dog. And I know it's my dog because that dog was my best <sighs> friend. Okay. So whatever. I'll um, let you tell the story how you want. I like that that's what you edited, by the way. Yeah. His dog to family dog. It was um, the family dog. Well, fuck you. (laughs) You know, just cosplaying soldier as he led this fleet of children into the woods to capture and confront what they probably hoped was a Russian spy. Mm -hmm. And the dog ran ahead to the location of the crash, but at one point stopped completely in its tracks and then sprinted right back towards Gene Lemon with its tail between its legs. Mm -hmm. And the group continued on for about a quarter of a mile before the atmosphere and the fear started to settle in because they began to be physically affected by a very pervasive mist in the air, which caused burning to their nose and their eyes. And it also made them feel very sick. Um, But despite feeling this nausea, the glowing red lights still blinking in the field was enough motivation for the group to venture forward. And by the time they got close enough to this crash, it was very dark out. And the only thing illuminating the area was Lemon's flashlight and then these two small lights lingering near an oak tree on the farm. And more interested in the crash than the lights at that point, the group moved closer and closer until Lemon got distracted by movement by the oak tree so he shined his flashlight back towards the two smaller lights and i just want to paint the picture for you of like what the horror of this would be because what started out is like a bunch of fun 
boys and mom going out to find Marvin the Martian, like dusk settles. And then you get an atmosphere where it stinks and everybody starts feeling sick. It's dark. You're out in this abandoned field. And as you're approaching, like you're walking through like a mist that has like a tangible atmosphere to it. And as you're going through, you're looking at this crash site. And then out of the corner of your eye, you see movement. You quickly move your flashlight. The only thing illuminating anything in this decrepit field and illuminating a massive creature lingering there that all of a sudden does this ear splitting screech and like twilight vampire glides <laughs> towards you yeah yeah before yeah. suddenly changing direction and then like veering off like ah! like could you imagine how fucking that's like pure horror movie where you're like ha 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 ha, ha. look at this fucking alien all of a sudden it's just like ah! and it yeah, it's like a jump scare yeah. Fucking jump scare in real life. But like, imagine the fucking, whew, I would have, I I would have piddled at least a dib. Yeah. A dibble a, a piddle. A I little dibble droplet. So according to history.com, Lemon screamed and fell backwards when he saw a 10 foot monster with a blood red body and a green face that seemed to glow. It may have had claws for hands, but it was hard to tell because of the dense mist. And to piggyback off of that, the group reports of the creature in conjunction with each other are this. It was at least 10 feet tall. It had a spade-shaped head, was in a dark metal dress, had twisted spindly hands, glowing orange eyes, and as Chelsea put it, twilight vampire glided or levitated off the ground. I will say just to interject really quick, but you know, those like flat escalator things at the airport. Yeah. I feel like such, despite my fear, I did feel like a twilight vampire walking on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what they um, are. I think that's exactly what they use in the movie. too. I, do, I think so too. Like the yeah. behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, still scary to see when you're an escalator isn't around. Um, so scared shitless, <laughs> true, true. the group did like a perfect 180 and they all just did the Terminator sprint home. Mm-hmm. Um, Mrs. I'd like to imagine that Mrs. May abandoned her children to just run home, but I'm sure she didn't, but let's just say she did. Um, but she ran home and called the local sheriff like fucking right away. And his name was Robert Carr. And then she also, I think that she was fucking smart for this, called the co-owner of the local newspaper, which was called the Braxton Democrat. And this was a man named A. Lee Stewart. Cool. And the sheriff did a really fucking good job of actually interviewing the witnesses. And they even went back to the site with Lemon and a sheriff's deputy that night. The only thing that they really noted at that time, though, was that there was, quote, a sickening burnt metallic odor still prevailing. And I wanted to play devil's avocado here because there are a lot of natural sulfur springs in this area. And I'm not sure if anyone has smelled sulfur springs. We have a few here in Utah. But I would describe that smell as metallic rotten eggs, which is kind of what they described the smell Mm -hmm. as. And some of you might be like, well, you know, if they lived in this area, wouldn't they be able to identify the smell of sulfur? That's exactly what I would think. Absolutely, yes. But to distinguish that, like from a potential smell from a, you know, outer planet, like 
I just feel like in that situation, if you were in that situation and that's what you saw and that's what you smelled, I just don't think your brain would make the connection that it could potentially be Sulphur Springs. Yeah. Maybe, but there's also like situations where your brain will like immediately try to calm you down and is like Sulphur Springs, Sulphur Springs. That's what I know. I'm going to default to what I know. Mm -hmm. I could, I could buy the Sulphur Springs though, because honestly, like the smell to me, isn't the most interesting form of evidence. I mean, it comes up again, but I'm just like, I don't know. It's a tough one. Yeah. Um, Good avocado. Thanks. Maybe it's a little brown though. So despite credible witnesses and then like the super good investigation that the sheriff conducted, they didn't really find any evidence of an actual encounter. So they ended up calling it a night. Now it could have ended there, but lucky for us, Mrs. May called the fucking newspaper guy mm-hmm. and he went out there um, in the, ne- the next morning when there was light and he could see what was going on. And he did his own little investigation and he stated that he found traces of a very thick black substance and two elongated tracks in the area where the sighting was reported. And looking around at the state of the area, Stuart was convinced there was no way this would be subjected to regular vehicular traffic. Like there's no road and there's also no reason that like farm equipment would be out there. Um, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't be subjected to where the farmer would need to go. So he claimed that it had to be none other than the spot of the UFO landing. And I do also want to say this thick, like sticky black substance. Some people did try to argue that it was oil, but he did attempt to ignite it and it would not ignite. Um, Hmm. definitely not oil in that case. And this story kicked off capital OFF off and what went from like a local newspaper in a town less than 300 became 100% international news with people even getting reached out by New York to go interview there with CBS news. Like these people became baby celebrities overnight because it was such a credible sighting. Um, I don't think that they were largely ridiculed. People just wanted to hear their story about what they saw. And I think it was also a time where I think that I don't want to say that the military was allowing people to believe in aliens, but I do think that they were trying to hide maybe other UFOs that were military related. It was encouraged. It was for sure encouraged. They were allowing these red herrings for people to hold on to, to kind of Mm -hmm. like divert from other national crises that were actually actual threats. Exactly. Like the atomic bomb. Yeah. Um, And people did want to dismiss the sightings though. Um, But the reporter Stewart noted that these people were the most scared individuals he had ever seen in his life. Like any witness who saw it was petrified. And along with the black substance and the marks on the ground, he also stated that that like pungent mist was still lingering in the area. And he did turn into like a super believer after this event. And according to Wikipedia, whatever, don't read me. (laughs) um, Quote, according to former news editor, editor Holt Byrne, Newspaper stories were carried throughout the country. Radio broadcasts were carried on large networks and hundreds of phone calls were received from all parts of the country. The national press services rated the story number 11 for the year. A minister from Brooklyn came to question the May family. A Pittsburgh paper sent a special reporter. UFO and 14 writers, Gary Barkin and Ivan T. Sanderson arrived to investigate. And out of all these people who came in, like just to look at what was going on, my personal favorite kind of encounters with 
these investigators was a rep, a couple of representatives from the civilian saucer investigation LA chapter who sent two agents named Mr. William and Donna Smith. I don't know if it's William and Donna Smith. The way that it was written was literally Mr. William and Donna Smith. I think it's William and Donna Smith. Yeah. Um, and while they interviewed the witnesses on the Hill, they also went a step further and just started going door to door to document if anyone else in the area had seen this mist, this sighting, or were also affected by any like negative fallout of what happened on September 12th. And before you talk about your person they interviewed, I want to talk about two others that they interviewed. Um, shout out to medium.com for this info. Um, but also I want to redact that shout out because reading this article used one of my apparently only three freed stories to read this month. And we're only on the sixth uh. of the month. So I just like that it's very stupid. Anyway, Audra Harper from Heaters, West Virginia which is five miles north of Flatwoods where this happened. Five miles is a stone's throw. Yeah. Said that she was walking into town with a friend on September 12th, so the night that it happened. They took a shortcut through a wooded area. Again, this isn't a horror movie. They live in the fucking Appalachia. Um, and noticed a ball on fire near a hill. They obviously went to investigate, but only saw a dark silhouette of what she thought was a man wearing that, that flaming ball used to sit and they obviously took off like that's scary because i know that like my indoctrinated brain wants to be like oh fuck a wildfire but like my caveman brain that my ancestors survived on is like fucking cult shit or like not anything good like if there's a ball of fire and just like a man bit bopping around but that's scary that's scary yeah that's terrifying yeah it's not even if it she never even said that she thought it was an alien yeah. She was just like, weird shit happened on yeah. the same day at the same time, five miles away. That's scary. Where you guys yeah. were. Um, and then we have September 13th, so a day later. A sighting occurred near Strange Creek, which is 20 miles south of Flatwoods. George and Edith Snitskowski. What do you I would say s- that's how it was phonetically spelled. Snitskowski. It's got so S N I T O W S K Y. Snitskowski. It's the Snitskow. It's like ow. It's the ow. If it was just Snitsky, but yeah. it's Snitskowski. That's my mouth it. can't form around it. Yeah, I can't do that. I'm, I'm too congested. Um, they were driving with their one-year-old son in a pretty rural area on Route Four. Their car died. And they thought they were fucked because there was, like, no one around, obviously. Imagine mm-hmm. you already live in the Appalachia and you're on the rural side of that. You're fucked. I could break down a block away from my house and I would feel like my life is over. So <laughs> I agree with that. Um, but soon they would describe a strong sulfur smell followed by a bright light. The couple then saw a 10-foot tall creature hovering over the front of their car. The couple said that the creature had a lizard-like hand, and it dragged that nasty thing across the car's hood, then drifted into the surroundings. As soon as the creature was gone, the car started up. They actually described it as having a reptilian head that was bony, which leads people to believe that the, quote, spade shape from the before um, was just a hood or some fancy royalty-type collar. I love the consistency there, too, because with these two accounts, um, 
you have September 12th, which is the day that it happened. And then you also have like the 10 foot tall, the mannerisms, like a lot of people want to describe, uh, like when you hear about like alien encounters or weird cryptid encounters, it's always these like weird fucking details that match up that yeah. like, Oh, the, the shape of the head was like yeah. hooded or, Oh, the smell was weird. Yeah. Um, you could always be like, oh, maybe their car just lulled. Like, I don't want to like, whatever. There's not much credence into that. But it's like these little fucking tangible things where it's like something obviously happened in that area. Also, um, shout out to all of them just having spatial awareness and height awareness. Yeah. I don't know what 10 feet looks like. No, I would be like, they were like me and a half. They were like taller than me, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, also, I don't know what six foot looks like even. What? But shout we, out to all the short kings that I dated. Yeah. What <laughs> would you even know? What would you even do in that situation? Because I've been in situations where I've been like straight up petrified in my vehicle and I haven't had the wherewithal to take in my surroundings. That's true. Um, I would have been just like a, a fetal position mess. Yeah, well, then you wouldn't even have seen it because you would be too no. busy sobbing into your own lap. I, I just got to say, the the mental fortitude of people who could buy a home on minimum wage at that time was just astounding. <laughs> I True. don't have that. I doubt I ever will. Maybe if I was prepared, like if I was like, I'm going to go alien hunting today. But even then. Even then, if shit got real, I'd be really out of there. Yeah, I would. I would like immediately regress into that western hick mm-hmm. trope where i'm like and i'm just like unloading a shotgun and but i'm hitting nothing except ruining my own car yeah probably maiming the only people who could help me it's true i mean i i've told you this and people should know i'm not afraid of ghosts i'll fuck around with the ghost i don't give a fuck what's a ghost gonna do push through me nothing i am terrified of aliens because they're real and we don't even have a concept of what their power could yeah. be. Um, my most vivid nightmares have been the recent one was like uh, like I was in where I live right now. It wasn't even dream weird. It was just reality and I was getting ready to cross the street to go to the bar across the street and I look up just, you know, as I was pressing the crosswalk button and the clouds just happened to move at that time, and I saw thousands of UFOs in the sky. No, I don't like that. I don't like that I have a window behind me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not for peeping toms. You're on the second floor. That's for yeah. a fucking alien. So, like, you're going to see something, and you're going to be trying to warn me, but I'm going to be off on an Antarctica tangent, and then it's going to come in and fucking get me. I swear. I Oh, my God. I've, I've been fucking forgetting to tell this story. It has, it may not have anything to do with aliens, but it very may well. Um, I got, <laughs> I emptied out a, a purse of mine recently mm-hmm. um, and I took like a wet wipe. I wiped out the inside of it just because like purses can get gross after a while, you know, they do. Mean? Yeah. Um, and then I dried it and I just thought it would be better to travel with like a much better travel purse. Um, what I'm trying to say is this purse was fucking empty because I was thorough. I go about my days. And I go to clean out that purse to switch over to like the regular purse I normally use. And I find a 50 cent piece in the purse with a hole drilled in the middle of it. Huh. And I don't know where it came from, but I think, I think, I think that's more of a glitch. I think that's more of a glitch rather I than think I got fairy vibes. I think. Oh yeah. Anytime there's a little uh, hole through something. Yeah. 
So I was like, ooh, but I also have the hex ring on. But I'm like, what if the bird flu and double pink eye is just a fairy fucking with me? Yeah, you're not supposed to take their gifts, dude. You know this. It was in my purse. That's not fair. Go leave it outside. I know I should. It's still just in my purse in my closet. But I never fucking leave. So it's like, what am I going to? I should leave it outside. I should make like a little like I should put it in the Admiral bird offering. No, you don't want it in your house. You want it outside. Go put it outside yeah. with a berry or something. Yeah, but it's also really cool because it just appeared out of nowhere. So like that's what they want you to do. I know. Man. God, you to think it's cool. They got me hook, line, and sinker. So that's probably where the double pink eye came from, and not yeah, because you're plane. fucking with the fairies, man. So Shit. obvious. All right. Well, back anyway. to the Flatwoods monster. <laughs> um, we had an entire episode on how to fucking fight fairies, and in one ear, out the other. So. Also, other people who encountered this Flatwoods monster um, was a 21-year-old woman who was hospitalized for three weeks after she and her mother encountered the same creature a week after September 12th. And their description matched the boys's and Miss May's. And in my humble opinion, the draw- drawing is super cute. We can share this to our Instagram. It is. But isn't it cute? It almost, it's to cute. me, looks like Toad. Yeah, it has like... He's wearing a little Toad hat. It has the most non-intimidating like draw it it looks appealing like it looks cute yeah. like if somebody was like i want a kawaii like alien and they gave me that i would say you understood the assignment yeah um but the thing that makes the flatwoods monster different than other alien sightings is part of its height of it being 10 feet tall and also its super regal appearance with two glowing eyes and this like hooded cape or like weird like shovel spade shaped kind of headdress that it was wearing um the long metal dress and a a cinched corset it was like an alien drag queen Mm -hmm. except we don't know where it came from and everybody saw it was terrified um and along with the investigations that went into the flatwood monster came the flood of naysayers that's going to happen with any type of these sightings and some try to dismiss the lights as just being aircraft we all know what those aircraft red blinking lights look like Mm -hmm. and it's fine but none of these like really explain what could have gone down um some people are like well the bright light was just a meteor but that doesn't convince me that it's still not alien related before you get into the most ridiculous one just a sidebar off of the meteor both the local newspaper and the Maryland Academy of Science reported a meteor that night, stating that the meteor passed over Baltimore at about 7 p.m. following a trajectory over Maryland, Pennsylvania, and you guessed it, West Virginia. Dude, and what's a me? Like, what the fuck is a meteor anyway? Like, what do we think a meteor is? A flying fucking ball that crashes into the goddamn yeah. Earth. Like, is a meteor going to look any different than like a crashing spacecraft? It's a ball of light. I want to see the receipts that was a meteor when people are finding evidence of actual like crash landing. You know what I mean? Real stuff. Is it a weather balloon too? You fucking liars. The the problem with it being a meteor and there being proof of it being a meteor is that like, there's a version of reality where the meat, everyone sees the meteor in the sky. They see it hit. They see it burst into flames and then that meteor like combusts. And so you wouldn't find any evidence yeah. really of it besides debris, which could it's arguably also, be that black material. Yeah. And it's, well, it's also like the perfect scapegoat in my opinion. Like oh, you would think that anything that comes into the atmosphere is going to look the fucking same when it's burning up like that. Like look at any 
like shuttle that returns you know what i mean they also light the fuck up because that's like a really hot descent to like yeah get into our atmosphere um but whatever if you want to do you can do the meteor thing but it's not going to check off every little box that you need to disprove this alien theory sure um the kicker that my favorite like one of my favorite things though with the whole meteor trope is that they tried to say that yes it was a meteor but the reason why everybody got so scared or like hallucinated was because they were so in awe at seeing a meteor in person that it caused a mass hysteria in the group. And they all had a shared hallucination after seeing a barn owl. Yeah. So this is the hysteria claim is that the alien that they saw with the sh- spade shaped head. And talony hands was a fucking barn owl, which I think is a little bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. But, but, peace and love to them. This is not a read, you know. All I'm saying is, like, if this town had a crayon sucking contest, there would be like a 17 way tie for first. Well, okay, let's dive into that <laughs> because or a 277 someone- tie for first. <laughs> As someone who, I don't, you can call me a hick, but yeah, as someone who (laughs) likes crayons, I would say that I am, I don't want to say I'm an authority on local wildlife, but like if I'm walking my dog and I see a snake, I could tell you within a second if it's a rattlesnake or not, because I grew up in the area. So like for somebody to look at me in my fucking eyeballs and be like, that's not a, that's not a rattlesnake. It's a garter snake. I'm like, who the fuck are you? Who are you to tell me? I've been raised in this area, born and fucking bred, and you're going to tell me this is a barn owl. And some of the reasons why they say it's a barn owl is just insulting. They're like, oh, you didn't see a creature gliding. You saw an owl flying. Or you didn't when it see. Swoops. Yeah. And they were like, you didn't see a metal dress. You saw the trunk of the tree that the owl was on. Or you shine the light in the owl's face and it made its eyes grow like glow red. They mixed up this like perfect cocktail um, where they said like just enough stress from seeing a meteor and the red scare caused them to all hallucinate and experience the exact same thing, which you whatever. But these other people who had these same experiences and like clocked the same features of the Flatwoods monster were not in that same experience. And also you have a reporter that went there the next day, saw evidence of craft being there in a black substance. You have like tangible evidence that something was there that wouldn't line up with a barn owl. A barn owl isn't going to leave track marks in the dirt and it's not going to leave a black goo that we don't know what it is. I mean, I agree that the barn owl is where they lost the plot. I, I don't buy it. Like if someone told me, I know what a fucking owl looks like. I've seen an owl at night. I've been scared shitless by an owl. I have seen an owl in a tree at no point is an owl affecting my spatial awareness to like not understand height and depth of things. It's not fucking with my ability to understand like flight bird flight like a bird swooping down is going to be a lot different than something like moving towards me you know what i mean like i'm not going to misjudge height differences and speed coming at me um also i'm not going to like halluc i don't think i would hallucinate mist happening everybody saw the mist and they described it as like 
something that they had to like physically move through. It wasn't just a smell. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm by, I don't know. I think this has alien written all over it. It could I be mean, people that was there. I mean, I don't know, man. The owl is just uh, the hype man at this point. Like The owl, the can, owl is just, why would you even yeah. put that in there? And what sucks, though, is like this was such a flash in the pan story when I personally think like it should be on par with Roswell. Um, but Flatwood sticks by the residents who saw this monster because it wasn't like some weird town drunk it was like reputable people and they completely embraced the flatwoods monster um they have an entire museum dedicated to it and when you drive into town you'll be greeted by a sign that says welcome to flatwoods home of the green monster um and one braxton county resident named gray barker dedicated his entire life to ufo mythology after this and he wrote about it up until his death in 1984 and i who girl when i got into this i when yeah. I got to this Gray Barker bit, I know that you've gone over the notes, but just pretend that you haven't. Um, okay. So I have, as read you this may part. recall, this I haven't part, read this part. I laid an egg at this part. Okay. Um, yeah. On a previous episode, we talked about John Keel. Yeah. And how he popularized the men in black trope when it came to like UFO investigations and mythology. Yeah. Um, if you hear about Mothman, 99% of the time, John Keel is going to pop up. That's just the yep. name of the game. Yeah. And, it just so happens that John Keel, when he was doing research for everything, kind of stumbled upon a book in the 1960s while he was doing research for an article for Men's Adventure magazine. And this book was called, quote, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. And it spoke about different alien interactions and their subsequent investigations by the Black men. And this book was written by none other than Flatwoods resident Gray Effing Barker, who was inspired by this influx of what he called black men after the Flatwoods monster experience happened in his town. Mm-hmm. Ray Barker's black men are what John Keel adapted to the men in black. He crawled on this ideology so that John Keel could fucking run. And the rest is history. All of I mean, this started with Flatwoods. Gray Barker may have been the first to have an interaction with the men in black but i'm so glad we didn't go with his initial it was a bad black one, yeah. men but yeah i mean that's John like kill had the foresight to yeah he knew the advertising it, it, he yeah. knew how to pitch it and market it there's a reason why that book just mm-hmm. sat in a library until some fucking yeah. dude learning about aliens but grabbed it the this blew my mind because like obviously like as you stumble upon things in research to find out that this town was inundated with men in black after flatwoods i feel like gives it so much more credibility yeah. but because it was done by gray barker and not somebody more reputable like john keel it kind of got buried but mm-hmm. if you would have known that the men in black crawled flatwoods and like hounded these residents so much that like one person could make an entire career out of it. It adds way more credibility to the story. I would agree to that. I would agree to that. But I would also say that one of my biggest issues with stories like this is that it happened five years after Roswell. And if there's one thing we can agree on, it's that Roswell became a honeypot tourist trap for an otherwise unremarkable city. And what would you describe Flatwood as other than unremarkable? Well, they have a great big chair. 
that looks like a flyless monster. <laughs> so fuck yeah. Also, yeah. I tried to buy their museum does sell stuff online. I tried to get some stuff, but like all the things that I think I would want were all sold out. It made me sad. They do sell like little Flatwoods monster lanterns, but I wanted these have been like mass produced and I was wanting to buy some local, but if anyone knows where I can get my hands on one of those, but it just blew my mind though, that like the men in black is so burned into pop culture and we didn't even realize that it was like originally coined with yeah. like the whole Flatwoods monster conspiracy, but yeah. right, it happened after Roswell and right in the middle of the red scare yeah but. so you know not trying to say but i'm also trying to say it's you know they also it's, have um if you go to like braxton wv.org it's got their flatwood monster homepage, and it tells you like where everything is and there the first one is the flatwoods monster museum then there's the flatwood monster chair and there's the Welcome to Flatwoods Home of the Green Monster sign. Then they have, they show you how to get to um, Kathleen May's tombstone. They show you the Flatwoods Elementary School. I don't know why. The spot, which I'm assuming is a diner that's themed like the alien. Um, the Braxton County Monster Lantern. And then the hometown of Gray Barker. That lantern is sick, right? The lantern is cool. But they're like sold out when I looked. Yeah, I'll have to double check. But uh, they have it. It has its own uh, YouTube video showing it. It's a short documentary by Andrew Smith about the lantern. Discover the story behind the lantern. See, now this is just further proving my Roswell tourist trap point. Damn, it only has 48 likes. Go be one of them. Yeah, fuck you. I was just going to say, they have a <laughs> town of like 277. Let them fucking have it, you know? Drink your haterade outside. The Appalachian Oddity one year ago. Nice work. The Flatwoods Monster Landers, so iconic at this point. It's great to hear about how these legends propagate over time and stay known through amazing artwork like this. Every time someone sees one of those lanterns, they're either introduced to or reminded of the Flatwoods monster story. That's awesome. Man, I found the Flatwoods, a Flatwoods monster lantern on eBay, but it's $120. Oh my God. I don't think I can pay that much. You just need to talk to this guy. This guy's YouTube channel. He will respond to you. <laughs> Let's, yeah, give me that YouTube. Thank you. I am going to also, I do want to say that there are a few alien conventions coming up that I am trying to sign us up both as speakers for and getting us press passes for it. So we have to, this is the thing. We have to make up an alien encounter so we could be credible. And the fun thing about ufologists is they believe everything. Here's the thing is one of the ones where you want to be a speaker, you just have to submit something that they haven't talked about before and most people are going over um conspiracies that are low-hanging fruit we could go in there and we could shake the tits off the conspiracy tree if we talk about i guarantee antarctica being the red or like flat earth being the red flag for what's going on in antarctica lumberian seed crystals we got so much fucking content dude i'm gonna submit it i'm gonna submit some panels they're pretty local one is in roswell what? Because I want to go, and the other one is in Las Vegas. So easy, easy peasy. Yeah. Speaking of um, 
easy peasy things that you should do. Follow us on social media. I'm at Noelle Fain, and that's Sithlard on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Go to Hell Podcast on Twitter, Instagram. We also have a Facebook group. If you're not into Facebook, we have a Discord channel, which is on and popping. You can find all those links in our link trees, which are in the bios of every single profile we have on all the social media sites. In there, you'll also find a link to our merch site where you can get cool things like the cult le- cult member not the leader mm-hmm. member cult member um also listen to cult leader they're also listening to shout out quite good shout out <laughs> um that little sweater and we'll have to double check to make sure everything else is up because they like to ruin chelsea's life constantly i did look right before podcast started everything does appear to be up because my father specifically requested a hoodie i was like i don't wear hoodies i am wearing a hoodie right now um also i just want to give a quick shout out to art by morbid art underscore by underscore morbid on instagram they shared really cool synchronicities that they're running into with the podcast and their day-to-day um send those to us because i love seeing the synchronicities also, go check out their Instagram. Um, they are clearly talented. And thank you for thinking of us. Yeah, shout fucking out. Um, also, shout outs to Kelly Holloran or Wildwood Owl on Etsy. You can go to her Etsy page and grab all of our stickers and or the enamel pin. She's also whipping up something real fucking cool, which we'll talk about later. And most importantly, in this fucking economy, support us on Patreon. You can get that link in that link tree bio as well. $1 gets you in. You get new episodes every week. And remember, you signed an NDA, so you can't talk yeah. about what you heard there. Um, also, if you got shafted on the Secret Santa, hit us up on Instagram. We'll take care of you. True. True, 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 true. Also, shout out to everyone who participated in Secret Santa. Dude, Always I'm still going to full on kiss my Secret Santa on the mouth. So, yeah, Chelsea's getting spoiled still to this day. It probably will be into March. And um, I hate to fucking I see it. I love it. I love it. You're a it's stupid bitch. Praise Secret Santa. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to give a. Uh, hail, obviously a hail to Satan and then a hail to Ch- Chelsea filling out press packets for alien <laughs> I do gotta say though, some of these are like the advertisement on the front page does say take the red pill so just make sure Jesus your butthole is puckered <laughs> Christ dude yeah, so just we're gonna have to get like triple boosted oh if we go god. oh my god, okay but you know what, we could be the phone call that's coming from inside the house you feel me? I don't want that call, dude. Go to voicemail. We are the phone call, though. Mm, All right. I'm going to eat this melted chocolate, and we're going to post this episode. Thank you, everyone. Don't forget that fucking Russian music. Oh, right. I'll send it to you. Okay. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye.